I just started recording the Zoom, so if we lose it, we'll still have it. A All treasure. Right. All right, Bryce, how you been? How's your year? Uh, about as well as it could go. Coming to you live from Connect as well. Uh, about 15 feet from Jesse, doing this over Zoom, so we can stay in a socially distanced fashion, but still getting our sports talks in. Uh, my year is going okay. Better now that the NFL is starting tonight. Pretty Super pumped about exciting. that. I know you are. So, uh, yeah, we have that to talk about. We got sports. So that yeah. makes things better. Football is back. Uh, and with that, let's just start talking about a couple of the major storylines of the season. One that's really interesting to me. Obviously, we now live in a COVID world. And the way the NFL has approached this situation has been interesting to me. Because, you know, people are losing money left and right. But we want, you know, equity and, you know, fair home field advantage. So we have, for instance, my Philadelphia Eagles will not be allowing fans for the first however many weeks of the NFL season. Neither will my Chicago Bears. Just Neither will your Chicago Bears. On, on the record. But tonight, I believe there will be 7% capacity in Arrowhead Stadium. And obviously, Jerry Jones has made it well known that he wants thousands of fans in his stadium. Do you think that this is going to provide an unfair home field advantage to certain teams in the NFL? It's so mucky. I mean, you look at, at 2020 as a whole, like you were saying, going into the NFL season, training camp has kind of been a lot better than I was expecting. But going into that, there's a lot of uncertainty about what the NFL is going to do, what these rules are going to be. And I feel like that continues right up to today, to the first day of the season, I think we're just going to have to see how it goes. 7%, what does that even mean? Nobody knows. I mean, like you said, it's a COVID world we live in now. I'm going to take a, a wait-and-see approach on this. I think certainly the Chiefs are going to have some noise tonight, and, and that'll be a difference um, between that and, and, like we're saying, the Bears and the Eagles playing in front of nobody. How much of a difference it will have, I think, is yet to be seen. You've seen in the NBA – the bubble has almost created um, a better playing atmosphere. Obviously, there's, there's differing reasons, whether it be the background behind rims or um, just sort of the competitive focus that comes with being in the bubble, which obviously the NFL doesn't have. But to me, I think going into the bubble, I would have thought there would be more of a competitive disadvantage um, for certain teams not having not being at home, but it hasn't been that way. And I think the NFL I mean, Milwaukee, but Milwaukee has the best home record in the league. So for instance, for a team like Seattle or a team like Kansas City or a team like point. New Orleans, where their home stadiums are just absolutely suffocating, right? Like the Seattle Seahawks, teams that play in Seattle, it's like statistically shown that they often have more false starts than an average road game. Playing in New Orleans, people will tell you that the Superdome is the hardest place to play. So without that this year, for teams that are two teams that are usually so strong at home, is that going to have negative effects? Are you worried about their records this year? Um, it's going to have an effect. It's going to have an effect on everyone. It's going to be weird. Am I worried about their records? No. I think the Saints and Seahawks are pretty good teams. And, and yes, you point out the Bucs. Um, but, but I'll look at other teams like the Lakers and the Clippers that have sort of been able to pull it together in the bubble – uh, LeBron talked about early on, you know, missing fans and what sort of that was like for him. 
at the end of the day, the best teams are going to win. You know, Russell Wilson is going to go out there and make throws. Football, certainly there's a differing advantage when it comes to things that you're talking about, false starts, just general um, noise, decibels, stuff like that. Sure. But at the end of the day, uh, it's going to come down to, to throwing and catching and, and playing defense, right? So it remains to be seen. It's certainly going to be weird. I did not, you know, in picking my standings this year, I wasn't factoring in, oh, the Saints are going to have full capacity at the Superdome. They might be worse. Because it's, it's something that everyone's going to have to deal with to differing degrees, as you said. But for me, it's not something that is really affecting game-to-game predictions. Okay. So this offseason, we saw Patrick Mahomes be handed the largest contract in NFL history. Not only that, he was handed a brand new running back. 20 of 22 starters, uh, starters are returning for the Super Bowl defending champions. But Lamar Jackson won the MVP. He took the league by storm, led the league in touchdown passes, seemingly was unstoppable until they fell behind to Tennessee in the playoffs. These are the two young stars of the league. There's not a lot, you know, getting around that. Who's got the upper hand this year? I personally think it's Patrick Mahomes, but I want to hear what you think. I mean, throwing-wise, definitely Mahomes. I think Lamar has a big year, once again. Got uh, J.K. Dobbins drafted in the uh, second round, I believe, maybe third. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of returning service as well. I think Baltimore has really embraced their identity in terms of running the football. But Mahomes is – I mean, he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He's just a different caliber thrower than Lamar is. Not to say that Lamar – wasn't a fantastic throw of the football last year. But right now, I mean, of course, it's, it's Mahomes until Lamar knocks him off that rung in the playoffs, which he's yet to do. And I don't think that's entirely on him. Of course not. But I agree with you. I'm liking Mahomes 1, Lamar 1A, but I wouldn't be – that's not to say I would be surprised if Lamar comes out and maybe has a better regular season because that's sort of how it went last year. I don't know. What's your rationale? So, I think you might see a step back from Lamar, and here's why. Interesting. Obviously, he's a better thrower thrower of the football than people anticipated, and he had a great season last year. But there is not a proven track record of running quarterbacks working consistently in the NFL. Michael Vick had it for a few years. But I think Tennessee provided a really good blueprint last year on how to stop him, right? And... Look, NFL defensive coaches are really, really, really good. And Lamar Jackson is still really young and doesn't have a lot of NFL starts under his belt. Now, that's not to say that the Ravens aren't going to be good. I do think the Ravens are going to win the division, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And I think they're going to be high in the double digits of wins. But this absolutely superstardom MVP year we saw from Lamar last year, I think he's going to come back a little bit to the average. I think J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram might rush for a few more yards. But Mahomes, I think the biggest pickup for him is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We're going to hit on him in a little bit as well. But last year, I mean, he has these guys flying on the outside. Sammy Watkins, Michael Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey up the middle. But Damian Williams was fine. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's fine. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has the potential to be a really, really great receiving running back. And that gives Mahomes a security blanket that he didn't really have consistently last year. 
So I think he now has the opportunity where if something's not available down the field, he has a much easier check down option that's probably going to be open way more often than Damian Williams and those other, you know, group of second string running backs in Kansas City. So I do think Patrick Mahomes is going to get back to that MVP form we saw him a couple of years ago. Staying with quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay. Can't get around this storyline. Something we have to talk about. I think that they'll be good and maybe sneak in the playoffs. I'm thinking eight and eight, nine and seven. But it's a lot of new pieces coming together with not a full offseason. It's a new system for Tom Brady. And I think it's going to take a couple of games for him to gel together. And I think they're in a pretty good division. And maybe they sneak in as that last wildcard team that was added to the league this year. I'm just stopping you on that point. Pretty good division. Who's who's good in the division besides the Saints? You I like think Atlanta? We'll see Atlanta have a half decent year, but I might need to pull up next. that. I, I might I need to pull up the, the 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 transcript <laughs> from last year about you all in that, on Atlanta when they were one and seven. So I agree, though. I, I mean, it's a lot of pieces. They'll take a little bit of time for me. I'm a little worried about Mike Evans' hamstring injury. I'm a he was on IR last year. He just pulled up in practice the other day. That's not good for them. My comparison to this, and, and you tell me what you think, I'm thinking Brady this season, betting against him is like me in the first round saying, I don't know if LeBron's got it anymore. I don't know. Dame and CJ, they're young. They're, they want to be in the bubble. I, how, how do I see myself betting against Brady not making the playoffs? How are you – I guess, I guess we'll get to it. We'll, we'll, we'll get to your prediction about whether or not they make the playoffs. Just what do you – like, do you think this team is going to live up to the talent they have? Because without a doubt, one of the most talented offenses in the league. Right. Fournette may have been overpaid, may have been in a bad situation, but he is a good running back. It's, it's going to be a committee anyway. The, Fournette doesn't – he's a talent. You're right. It doesn't – none of the contract situation matters to me on the field. They're going to they're gonna have a couple guys. So I'm more interested in their defense. Shaquille Barrett had a really good year last year. He did. And I think they reworked that defense a little bit because it used to be, you know, awful. And now I think it's at least competent, and maybe that's all they need. Look, I think they're a decent team. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're terrible. We'll see. I think New England's going to have a terrible season. We're about to get there. But final thoughts on Tampa Bay. On Tampa Bay? Um, I guess I guess you'll see, but I like them. I'm I'm not going to bet against Brady and Bruce Arians. And I think something that's been talked about a lot is, I mean, you look at Carson Palmer in Arizona when he was kind of on the outskirts. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Palmer and Brady. More so that that Palmer is not the quarterback that Brady ever was, and he revived his career. And they made a couple playoff runs, you know, late in his 30s. Right, and that was when Arians NFC championship was, game. Right, right, and 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 that offense defense was was probably better by maybe a significant amount. You got Pat Pete, um, some other really good guys on those teams, but they didn't have the offense that that Tampa Bay and, and Arians has this year. So for me, I think I mean, obviously Winston threw thirty interceptions last year, and they're giving the ball in terrible field position over and over. And that's part of why the part of the reason why the defense struggled, but 
I think you got a good coach, a good quarterback, good weapons, and like you're saying, an improved defense. There's a lot going on. It has a it has a, a Browns feel from last year where it's almost a reality TV show off the field. But there's no Brady in Cleveland. That was the difference. I think they – I agree. They, they might have some struggles early, but this is, this is not going to be a bad team. All right. All right, we're going to move on to our season predictions. I'm going to run through mine, try to skim through quick, put a Spicy. couple notes here or there. And uh, then after you can give some feedback and see where you have some differences. So we're going to start with the AFC. Keep in mind there's a seventh playoff team. Um, so we'll start with the East. I have Buffalo winning the division at 10-6. and six. The Jets – or I'm sorry, the Dolphins at 8-8. Eight and eight. The New York Jets at 7-9. and nine, And the Patriots at 4-12. and 12. In the AFC North – I think the Ravens coast 14 and two Oof. Pittsburgh Oof, four 11 and, and five. Yeah. Tough Pittsburgh coming in at 11 and five Cleveland at eight and eight Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals at two and 14. That's not a hit against Joe Burrow. I just think they're playing in a really tough division in an off season where they haven't been able to get together that much. He's got some good weapons, but the offensive line is bad and the defense is bad. I think he plays. Okay. They just aren't able to put up enough points because I think they're going to get scored on a lot. AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs at 13 and 3, the LA Chargers at 9 and 7, Denver at 8 and 8, Vegas Ooh. at 5 and 11, and then in the South, Houston at 10 and 6, Indianapolis at 9 and 7, Tennessee Titans at 7 and 9, and the Jacksonville Jaguars at 2 and 14, which leaves us with a playoff picture like this. Baltimore gets the 1 seed in the bye. Kansas City gets the 2 seed, Buffalo gets the 3 seed, and Houston wins the AFC South against the 4 seed. My thing with Buffalo is that everybody's like, oh, Buffalo's uh, overrated. Everybody's so high on them. Let's not, like, freak out at a situation. They are the best team in the division. They made the playoffs last year with two losses to New England. They're the best team. Nobody's saying they're going to go 14-2. and Nobody's saying, you know, they're the the best team in the history of the NFL. You know, they were hot. People were hot on Buffalo early on, and now there seems to be a regression from that. Let's just keep it what it is. They have a good defense, a good coaching staff, and a pretty good quarterback. You know, he's not the most accurate quarterback in the league, but they are the best team in the division. And they certainly have the most consistency. And they should win it. Ten wins seems right. Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. They could not score points. And somehow, with that Minka Fitzpatrick trade and Mike Tomlin running that defense, they got to 8-8 eight and eight with a chance to be 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs. This team is good. This team is good. Yes, they had a bad year. They were also missing their quarterback, and we're not prepared to back up. Mason Rudolph is bad. Duck Hodges is bad. They're not good quarterbacks. This team will live and die with Ben Roethlisberger, and you know you don't make your picks anticipating injury. So anticipating he stays healthy, I think they win 11 games, 8-8, eight and eight, three extra wins with Ben Roethlisberger. Doesn't seem crazy. Uh, so they get that five seed. Similar situation in Indianapolis. They were pretty good until Brissett got hurt. Then he was banged up for the rest of the season. They have a really, really great roster, a really great offensive line, a good young defense. And uh, I think Jacksonville's horrible. So that's two wins right there. This Indianapolis-Tennessee thing. I, I need to stop you on the Tennessee thing. Seven I, and nine? Seven and nine. What? I, I'll let you explain. So, yes, this team made the AFC championship game. I think they got a broken Patriots team 
on the end of a dynasty. And I think they got a first-time playoff quarterback whose winning percentages for first appearance in playoffs are always low. This team is centered around Derrick Henry. When you give this guy that many touches, they break down. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt at some point this year. And if a team focuses on stopping the run and making Ryan Tannehill beat them, I think that's, I don't think he's that kind of quarterback. There was a lot of, a lot of deep play action to AJ Brown last year. They ran it pretty frequently from within the, 25 yards and in on their own goal line, play action to Derrick Henry uh, under center, deep pass to AJ Brown. And it worked a lot, but that's on film now. And teams can game plan for that. I think this team's fine. Like, I think they're decent. But I still think Houston's the better team. That's been shown over the last two years. I know DeAndre Hopkins is a big loss, but I don't think that's going to make Deshaun Watson a bad quarterback, and I think that team runs through him. And Indianapolis, I think, was the better team in that division last year until Jacoby Brissett got hurt. And I think Phil Rivers is in a good situation for him. They're not um, bad, just 7-9 and nine with tough teams to play. So you made the point, first-year quarterback struggle in the playoffs. Tannehill was a first-year quarterback in the playoffs. Lamar played a playoff game last year. So I'll, I'll rebuke you on that one. Um, I don't have them at 7-9. and nine. I'll just make that clear. I have them, you know, before I get into the rest of mine, 11-5 and five winning division. They get the defense back. They add Jadavian Clowney. They keep Derrick Henry. Everyone's still there. It's a young team. Tannehill played well. He beat Lamar. Can we talk about this Jadavian Clowney thing? Can we talk about this Jadavian Clowney thing? This man, has never had, this man has never had a season with double-digit sacks. You don't think he's a, a difference maker on their defense? I don't know. He gets hurt. He's never – he's being asked to pay $15 million. He has never had a season with double-digit sacks. But he's – okay. Obviously, he's a good player. He, he's had a like, season I don't with get all this and a half and nine. Right. Stay healthy. Make more sacks. Like, that's, what, that's the kind of money he's asking for. I'm glad the Eagles didn't pay it. There was talk about it. All right. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think he's worth the dough, but I don't think he's not a difference maker on their defense. And um, before you move on, can I hear why you think Denver is going to yes. win more than four games this year? Yes. So, first of all, I have the Chargers at 9-7 and seven at that seventh spot. Just a, I, 10 seconds on them. That, I, think, I think Tyrod Taylor is a very capable quarterback. He took Buffalo to the playoffs. Uh, Joey Boza and Melvin Ingram are just a great defensive front. And you have Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. in the secondary. Obviously, the Derwin James injury hurts. But Austin Eckler is also really good in the backfield. I think this roster is incredibly talented. I think Justin Herbert isn't going to see the field this year because I think they're going to be in a playoff position. And I don't think they're going to want to pull Tyrod Taylor. Buffalo did that with Nate Peterman, and it led to five interceptions. All right. So I That's think fair. Tyrod Taylor, last of the year, we'll see what happens next season. But I think they sneak in. And even if Herbert comes in, I think they'll be, have a winning record at that point. Denver, I'm a little worried about the Von Miller injury. <laughs> a little. But I think this team's going to score points. I just think they're going to put up so many points. Sutton, Hamler, Judy, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, and Drew Locke, who really can sling it. Yes, their defense needs a little bit of work. But scoring that many points in that high pace of game with the altitude they play in in Denver, I think they're going to be good at home. If they go five and three, six and two at home, they only need to win two or three games on the road. And I think they can scrap those up. So, yeah, eight and eight. I think you have hard knocks goggles on, but might just be me. 
<laughs> hey, Denver's not on hard knocks. I get it with the Chargers, but I don't know. Eight and eight. They were pretty good towards the end of last year. Uh, I like their culture. Bradley Chubb's coming back. And I yes, the Von Miller injury hurts. But eight games, not that many, not that few. They'll fight. No, I don't disagree with that. I think Locke is good. I just take your point earlier about Lamar and defensive coordinators are good. The NFL, they have some film on Locke now. I'm not going to say he's going to regress from last year, but I think there's points of the season where he struggles. But I do think he's a good quarterback. All right. Anything else different in your playoff picture for the AFC? For the AFC? You want me to go through my AFC? Let's hear um, your, playoff. Let's so your I have, playoff picture. So I have Baltimore 13-3, and three, one seed. I have KC 12-4 and four at two. I have Tennessee as the three seed, 11-5. and five. Clearly, I think they're. I'm. Clearly, I think they're much better than you do. Four, I have Buffalo. I actually have them at nine and seven. I have that division. I have Buffalo nine and seven. New York seven and nine. New England seven and nine. Miami six and ten. I think that's just a cluster in the East. I have Houston, ten and six, five seed. Basically, just because Deshaun. Um, Pittsburgh nine and seven. Could see ten and six. Don't know about Big Ben's longevity. That's pretty much the main reason. Love that defense as well. And then I actually had uh, Las Vegas as the seventh seed sneaking in just based on the way the schedule works out. You're saying, let me, let me tell you. They tell have me why. Home games to end the season. Three in a row. Before week point. 17 at Denver. At home against Indianapolis. At home against Los Angeles Chargers. At home against Miami. They play Atlanta, Carolina, Cleveland, and then the three that I mentioned. They play New England. It's hard, it's hard for me to put a lot of confidence in a team whose front office and coach don't seem to like their quarterback. There's just never been they, a commitment. Like there's Carr? never, there's never been a commitment to Derek Carr. I don't disagree just, with that. There just hasn't. It was I a think, team that came on last season, though. I think they're deep. No, they, they actually started stronger than they finished. They oh, lost my by bad, double my bad digits. Listeners. They lost by double digits six times last year. Seven. Times. This team got blown out a lot. It's one thing if you're losing close games. This team got blown out a lot. I think Josh Jacobs is good, but these receivers are young. And again, with all these young receivers, not a lot of time to get in the building and work with the quarterback. This defense still is not good. They're still building. Again, I think they're in a pretty tough division. I just don't see it. I have them, just, just to, to wrap up, I have them as it worked out. In my picks, one and four against winning teams and seven and four against losing teams. I don't think they're great either. I just think it's a good schedule. All right, you want to do thirty? But I also don't believe. I also don't believe in the Broncos and Chargers as much as you do. So that's a factor. Thirty seconds on New England. Thirty seconds on New England. Go ahead. Mine. My pick. My seven and nine. Um, Or why not four and twelve? Why are they better than four and twelve? I. I mean, I think I'm a thousand times more of a Cam believer than you are. Cam and Bill kind of have to prove it this year. And 
I just have them winning some games at home. I just think it's tough to win there. Um, I have them five and three at home. Wins over New England, San Francisco off a bye, Baltimore, Arizona. You think the New England Patriots who lost – you think the New England Patriots who lost eight defensive players to COVID opt-outs are going to be able to hang with the speed of the San Francisco 49ers offense and Kyle Shanahan? Off a bye. (laughs) No. This team – I'm not doubting Belichick. But, yes, I don't think Cam Newton is a good quarterback. I'm on record for that. But this team just doesn't have talent. They just don't. There's, like – it comes to a point where your, your roster just isn't as good. You can coach as much as you want. Their best receiver is Julian Edelman, and that's just not enough. Their running back situation is a mess, and their defense has lost many, many starters. They just don't have the talent. I think it's a throwaway year. Cam's going to play decent. Like He'll Thanks have flashes. He'll have flashes. This team's going to end up with a quarterback in the draft. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where they go from there. All right, let's flip over to the NFC. Starting with the NFC East, I have my Philadelphia Eagles at nine and seven to win the division. Cowboys at seven and nine, Giants at five and eleven, and the Redskins at three and thirteen. In the north, in the north, Green Bay at eleven and five, Minnesota at ten and six, Detroit seven and nine, Chicago six and ten. In the west, (laughs) Seattle to win that division at twelve and four, San Francisco at eleven and five. The Rams at nine and seven, and the Cardinals at seven and nine. And then in the South, the Saints at 13 and three, Tampa at eight and eight, Atlanta at seven and nine, and Carolina at five and 11. So this leads to the Saints being the one seed. I think they have the best roster. I think they have the best offense. I think they have the most consistency through a year that's just so uncertain. They're just a really good team. I've been against them the last three years, and it's never worked out. It's time to flip sides, they'll get the one seed. It's time to also stop betting against Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. I've loved Russell Wilson. I know this team has holes, but he's just so good. This team is going to make the playoffs, and I think the 49ers take a step back, which leads to Seattle winning the division at 12-4. and I think they're just really, really good. I think in this kind of situation where everything is so much craziness and uncertainty, there's nobody as steady as Russell Wilson to lead this kind of season. Uh, Green Bay. I was high on Green Bay last year. They were my Super Bowl pick out of the NFC, and they ended up going 13-3. and three. I think they'd take a step back, but a step back from 13-3 and three is still a division winner, so 11-5. and five. And then the Eagles, you have three new coaching staffs in the NFC East, and the Eagles are the one that's not. I think that matters. I think Dallas's roster is very talented. I do. But I just don't see it with them. New coaching staffs all over the place. I think the Eagles coast the division. It just gives them enough wins. They're nine and seven. I think they get five of those nine wins in the division, which means they go four and six outside. Sounds about right. They have games against the Saints. They have games against the 49ers. They have to play in Cleveland. That's a tough game. So, yeah, nine and seven just in. The five seed San Francisco, I think they go 11 and five, but I don't think they dominate the season. We've seen the Eagles and the Rams both take step backs after playing in the Super Bowl. I think that's going to matter for San Francisco. It's really hard to get back. But I do think the Chiefs get back, but that's just because they're on a different level. Uh, the Rams at 9-7, and seven, they're going to hop in in the seventh seed. Everybody, wow. thought, everybody thought the Rams had such a terrible season last year. Like, they won nine games. This, they got rid of this Todd Gurley cap hit. Out. 
Uh. Knee, knee was banged up, massive cap hit, gone. Brandon Cooks, banged up, massive cap hit, gone. That money has now been able to be redispersed into the rest of the roster, the offensive line, the defense, the secondary. I think the locker room is probably a little bit better. They have nice young runners. Look, like probably a pretty similar season. And with that seventh playoff team, it's enough to get in. And then Minnesota, uh, good roster, 10 and 6. Nothing special, nothing terrible. I think they're pretty similar to the way they've been in years prior. You seem to disagree. Okay. I just had this Rams argument with a friend, so I'm ready. I think you have hard knocks goggles on times two, which is the first time ever. Let me read you some scores from the Rams schedule last year. All right. Give me a second. They got blown out in every sense of the word in the last couple games of the season. I just don't believe in golf and I don't think they have been really good outside of one playoff run. Here we go. Ready? So there was a 55 to 40 loss to Tampa in week four. That's before the end of the season. Let That's me read to you. Blowout. 55-40. They give up 55 points to James Winston. Not a blowout. This is just an early season defeat. Let me read you week 12 versus Baltimore against Lamar. 45 to 6. Week 15 against Dallas, 44 to 21, and then they lost to the Niners by three, which is fine. This team is everyone's bounce back pick. Why? What have they added? They've just lost a bunch. No, it is what they lost. It is what they lost. It is absolutely what they lost. They have freed up $30 million in cap space for two guys that were banged up the entire season and did not contribute that much to their offense. And that matters because now that, that can be spent other field? places. Because now it's able to be spent other places. Now that money was able to be spent other places. Todd, Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks' cap hits are gone. And the reason the Rams were not successful last year was because of their offensive line. And now they're able to reinvest that in other areas on the field. That matters. I, I think they're... I don't totally disagree. I just have them at, at seven and nine. Um, I just don't think they're that good. All right. But, I want to, I want to, I want to poke at your bears for a second. Huh? Poke at my bears. Ha uh, uh, poke the bear. Really good defenses fall apart behind quarterbacks. They don't trust. You're going to be so and you can't sit NFC here. Picks. You, you can't sit here and try to convince me that the bears trust Mitch Trubisky. They traded a fourth-round pick for a quarterback to come in and supplant him. And, 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 Ryan Pace, and Ryan Pace is trying to cover his behind with this terrible draft pick that altered the franchise when they could have taken Deshaun Watson. You, you, you missed the Jacksonville Jaguars made an AFC championship game. The Jacksonville Jaguars made an AFC championship game. And then with Blake Bortles, who everybody knew was not a good quarterback, fell apart. Defenses behind bad quarterbacks don't succeed. This Bears team is not very good. They're just not. Mitch Trubisky is not a winning quarterback. This team doesn't have more than six wins in them, especially especially because Detroit was a decent football team before Matt Stafford got hurt last year. And he's coming back, and they're going to be decent. 
everyone always does this. They were doing it last year when the Bears played bad. Um, the Jacksonville Chicago comparisons, just because they both have good defenses and had subpar quarterbacks, the Bears just simply have a better supporting guest. They went eight and eight last year. Yeah, they probably should have made the playoffs or expectations they did. Jacksonville went five and eleven the year after they went to the AFC championship. All right, so the Bears are just a year behind. The Bears are a year behind the, the Jaguars. No, Bortles yeah. was Bortles was I mean, Bortles didn't even start the year last year. So Bortles was out of the league by or not out of the league, but off the team by the by the time they were two years removed from the playoff appearance. I, I'm just with Nick Wright on this one, and obviously it's a homer opinion, but there's too much talent on the defense. And, and the thing about Jacksonville is you're not going to have me sit here and say the Bears' culture is as good as it gets in the league, but there is definitively a culture problem in Jacksonville. How many of those guys are gone, left all on their them. own? All, all of them. them. All Every single one of them. They all were like, I need to get the hell out of here. I need a new contract. I need a new team. The Bears still have pretty much that whole defense from two years ago. They're young. They've drafted Jalen Johnson, second-round pick, is going to start at corner, replace Prince Mukamara, who was kind of the weakest link on the defense last year. And a guy I picked, we'll get into this a little bit later, Khalil Mack was banged up and wasn't that good this year. And they add, or last year, they add Robert Quinn instead of Leonard Floyd opposite him. Clearly an upgrade. They, they get back Roquan Smith, who's going to start. He was a little bit banged up last year, missed some games. The defense is not going to be bad. And for me, I'm not going to sit here and talk myself into the offense is going to be completely revamped. But Mitch won the job. I'm fine having Foles clearly a little bit better of a backup than what they had in the past. So I just think, I just think it's a bounce back here. I, I don't like the comparisons between the, the Jaguars and my Bears. That's fair. All right. So, all right. 30 seconds. Just give me your one through seven. 30 seconds. Here we go. Uh, Bears is the top seed. Don't know how that worked out, but it did. 11 and 5. Stop. You're, you're stop. Dallas. Dallas the rest 11 of your and picks, 5. The rest of your picks are irrelevant. You know, there's, you know that, that Nick Wright picked them 12 and 4 as a one seed, right? So there's, okay. there's, some, right. there's some agreement with me. All right. All right. Let's Dallas 11 and 5 is the two seed, which I've caught in a lot of flack for as well. Niners 11 and 5, three seed. We've got New Orleans 10 and 6 at the four. Seattle 11 and 5, fifth seed. Tampa. 10 and 6, and then I have Green Bay 9 and 7 uh, as the seventh seed in the NFC. I'm glad, I'm glad we recorded this because we're going to come back at the end of the season. And we are going to come back to this. Uh, like your, your Atlanta right. pick from last year. So timing is tight, so I'm going to give my favorite six betting picks of the week. Hoping to hit 56%. That's a winning number. So we're going to go through this quickly. Seattle plus one and a half at Atlanta. I actually do think Atlanta's better this year, but Seattle's just the better team, and Russell Wilson on the road is just as good as he is at home. Atlanta, I know I said they're going 7-9, and nine, but they seem to do this thing where, you know, 
they're really not great till the end of the year, and like they're playing for Dan Quinn to not get fired, and he should have been fired. But Seattle Except plus for when they half. beat the Eagles in week two <laughs> last year. Green Go Bay on. plus three at Minnesota. Green Bay is the better team. Aaron Rodgers is coming out angry this year, drafting Jordan Love behind him. Uh, they are the better team. They're going to run the ball well. And uh, I think it's a pretty low-scoring game, but I think I'll take Green Bay in those points in that low-scoring game. Dallas at Los Angeles, plus two and a half. I gave my reasons already. Los Angeles is the better team, and they're playing at home, and they're in a new stadium, and they have the same coach, and Dallas has a new system. I think all the signs here point to a Rams way, and also the country loves to bet Dallas, picking the Rams. Chicago at Detroit, Detroit minus three. Chicago's not good, and Detroit is better than we think. Oh it's at home. God. Detroit will lay those three points. I'll take them. This team just doesn't have confidence in Trubisky. Philadelphia minus six at Washington. This may sound like a homer pick, but I just think, again, new system. A lot of young players on that Washington roster. I think they're a team that gets better as the season goes on. I think the Eagles are ready to go. Uh, I'll lay the six and take that. And then LA Chargers minus three at Cincinnati. This is the one I don't understand. Not only do the Chargers have the best combination of edge rushers in the league, you're talking a rookie quarterback behind a bad in Cincinnati, a rookie quarterback behind a bad offensive line who haven't been able to be together that long. I just like the Chargers. They've been doing it longer. Week one, I don't see Cincinnati winning that many games. And at three points, I'm just going to take the Chargers to win and think they win by at least a field goal. All right. We got five minutes to do these picks. We're going to do our award predictions for the year. MVP, I'm going back with Patrick Mahomes. Bryce, I like your pick, and I hope he gets it, but I just don't think he has quite as good a season. I picked Russ because I think it's just time. I think he's due. Russell Wilson's time? That's fair. Russell Wilson. Yep. That's fair. I just had to switch it up from you a little bit. I'm not, I'm I think it's the kind of year where Mahomes – I think Mahomes could throw 50 touchdowns. So like, Don't disagree. I liked that pick as well. Offensive player of the year. Going back to Michael Thomas, I don't see what changes. I don't see why they throw to him less. I don't see who guards him better. I think he goes for another, you know, 140 catches. Like, I just don't see what changes. I picked Lamar just to differentiate a little bit from you as well. I think he runs wild. Oh. Defensive player of the year. I'm going with get me my money, Joey Boza. Get you your goggles from Hard Knocks. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. But that being said, I think the idea with Melvin Ingram being on the other side is that, like, you can't double either of them. You just got to focus on both of them. And I think this Chargers team is pretty good, and I think they're going to be in games, meaning teams are going to be throwing and not just running, meaning more sack opportunities. I've got um... – a pick you'll hate, but necessary to my 11-5-1 seed. Khalil Mack, he's back. Defensive Shocker. player of the year. Yep. Shocker. Offensive rookie of the year. Seems we, we both hit this one. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, do you have any doubt this is the pick? No. The opportunity, the talent, the offense, it's all there. Unless he gets hurt. I get the burrow. He's, he's my number one pick in fantasy, so don't do that, I, please. I just I knocked get on some more. <laughs> I get the Burrow stuff, and I think he does throw a lot of touchdowns. 
it's just like the, these, these feature running back in Andy Reid offenses, if you remember back to LaShawn McCoy's 20 touchdown season, I mean, that guy was a top running back in fantasy football for three, four years, which equals production on the field. I think it's that kind of year for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Defensive rookie of the year. I want to start with your pick, Chase Young. Just, well, uh, just think he sacks. I think, sacks I think sacks. Washington. I think Washington's going to have a good defense. I think Kerrigan, um, Jonathan Allen, Montez, Montez Sweat. Sweat. Guys, I, they they have a good line. I think he's he's not going to get a thousand percent of the focus. Uh, you know, coming right out. Can I throw a quick bet to the last one in your face? See what you think about it. Do we have time for that? Yeah, what you got? Burrow over under twenty one touchdowns. Over Seems low to over. Me. I agree. All right, all right, Bill Simmons. Don't think I don't listen. <laughs> all right. My defensive rookie of the year is Isaiah Simmons. And I like that pick too. He he won't have, you know, eighteen sacks or seven interceptions, but he's just gonna play so many different positions for I think an improved Cardinals team. I don't know if their record gets up to like nine and seven, but I do think they get a lot of media attention and I think Isaiah Simmons is gonna be that center of that new and improved defense. And then coach of the year, I'm going with Anthony Lynn because I think the Chargers make the playoffs. Yeah, hard knocks goggles. Call me out for it. But I think they picked two teams. I think they picked two teams in similar situations. So, I, uh, I got Mike McCarthy. Once again, I have to substantiate my 11-5 two seed that no one seems to agree with me on. He's a good coach. You don't like it. If Dallas has a good year, I think that's a good pick. I do. I just don't think they have a good year. I think you'll like my comeback player of the year. Comeback player of the year. I'm just riding this Chargers wave. Tyron Taylor. But no, you picked Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a good pick, too. I support that. It's a good pick. It's going to have to happen if they want to make the playoffs, which we both have them making. Yeah. All right. Bryce, thank you for coming. I don't get to talk NBA? You can hang around. I'll let Jake do that. (laughs) You can hang around. But thank you for coming. Hopefully this recorded. We'll find out in the next week, and we'll make sure it works for week two. If not, um, any final words? H- hang around. Come back for the last minute or two. Thank any you final for having words? me on the pod, as always. Um, Golden Hour Nation, we're, we're coming to you remote. Excited to have it. We'll have some good content in 2020. So let's, uh, right. let's go Deshaun Watson and Clyde tonight. Thank you, Bryce. Welcoming now Jake Schwartz. If Bryce is 15 yards down the hall, Jake is 20. <laughs> How's uh, it going? Jake, how have you been? I saw you like 10 minutes ago, so pretty good. Good. Well, let's tell our uh, wide-ranging audience how you've been throughout these last few weeks and years or months. I'm sorry. Everything's been good. Happy to have sports back in full swing. Football's back tonight. I know you just talked about that at length with Bryce. Excited for that. NBA playoffs have really been piquing my interest. A lot of a lot of guys showing out. My pick, the Heat from our last time that you had Bryce and I on, are really, really showing out. And I think let's get this right. On record, Jake Schwartz did pick the Heat to make this run. Seven games. Did pick the Heat. His man Tyler Hero lived up. Yes, he did. And you did like Kendrick Nunn, but Tyler Hero Hero took over that team. All right. We got a couple NBA points. Definitely was an NFL pod, but we can't can't not hit the NBA for 10 minutes. We got 10 minutes left, so let's move through it. The elephant in the room is the Giannis situation. 
does he stay in Milwaukee? Does he request a trade? Does he let it play out? Does he leave in free agency? Can they win with him? What are your thoughts? How is he not gone after this season? After a great first round, great regular season, they completely threw away the series against the Heat. Obviously, Giannis gets hurt. He has that ankle injury. Chris Middleton takes over, wins them that one game. But with Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe on the floor as your guys taking up that cap space after Chris Middleton got that max deal, which I think he still – I think he deserved it as a secondary player to Giannis. What, like, what are they? Like, are they a five seed? Maybe. So I just want to – he has one year left. So mm-hmm. – he either requests a trade or he's back for one more season. I think that, look, I don't think he's going to come out and publicly do what Anthony Davis did. I don't think so either. I think he's, I think him being foreign kind of makes him a little bit more mellow. Um, but I think he still has the right to come to the front office, say either build around me or trade me. So, I think that the structure of their team is flawed. They surrounded him with shooters. 100%. They surrounded him with shooters. But at the end of the day, Giannis is not a point guard. And sometimes he plays like one. But there's a reason. He's the best player minutes 1 through 46. And then you get to minute 47 and 48... And he gets in trouble. He can't create offense. He can't shoot that well. And I just think they surrounded him with shooters. But when it gets to that point of the game and you put Kawhi the clamps on him, and that's just the best defender in the league. They had Jay Crowder guarding him against Miami. They needed another guy on that team that can create offense. And Bledsoe, they were hoping he's that guy, and they gave him a contract, and I think they made a mistake, and Malcolm Brogdon should have gotten that money. But at this point forward, I, need, I think they need to find a way to move off that Bledsoe contract and get somebody in there. I think so, it's possible for them to succeed with him and this roster structure. I just think they need to tweak it. But with this cap situation, I don't know how they're going to do it. So that's, that's actually the headline that came out today, that not, it's not Giannis that they're going to trade this season. It's going to be Eric Bledsoe because, like you said, Giannis isn't a facilitator, but neither is Eric Bledsoe. On the Suns, like, this, guy was, this guy was a score-first guard. Whether they had him at the one or the two, it didn't really matter. He was putting up 15 shots a game. But they need guys like what the Lakers did with Rondo, having him be that facilitator to build around Braun. They know they have their guys that can make shots in crunch time, but you need the guy to make that pass, find the open guy in space and make that space in the first place. I don't know how the salary cap situation works, and I'd have to dig a little bit, but I think that the Bucs need to take a look at Chris Paul. That could be interesting. I mean, he's, he's the guy. I, I don't think he leaves Oklahoma City. Um, to be honest, I think Billy Donovan's gone. They're I think make... if the Thunder can trade him for Eric Bledsoe, let's say Dante DiVincenzo, and two first-round picks, they make that trade. I mean – the yeah, salary and, and an expiring contract and an expiring contract. But if I'm Milwaukee, I make that trade too. Cause yeah. you got to go all in on Giannis here. It's going to be their best chance to win a title. 
it's so it's just not arguable that he's a generational talent. He's a freak of nature, athletically, physically. But you're right. I mean, he can't shoot. He really can't. And in the modern NBA, if you can't shoot and still can't make plays in those last two minutes of the game in crunch time, then you're not as valuable as people say you are. I agree. All right. We kind of hit Miami before, but let's just talk about them for a minute. Can they win the title? Can they beat this yeah. Clippers team or yes. the Lakers? Honestly, I think it's a I think this is one of the first years in the last 10 where it's really a toss up. Ah, not the last 10, but maybe the last 5 where it's really really a toss up between East and West. Obviously, I think the West is more stacked, top heavy. But the Heat the, are the deepest team in the, in, the playoff, in the playoffs left right now. They go 10 guys deep. They got guys that can defend, run the floor, shoot the ball at any moment. Jay Crowder, at the beginning of uh, game five against the Bucks, made three threes in a row. He's not a three-point shooter. He's not a wing guy. He just makes plays. And they've got a lot of guys that can make plays, a lot of young guys who can play as many minutes as you need them to. Kelly Olynyk is showing up, and you really can't forget about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been loud at times, but has really gotten off his high horse, become a silent leader for these young guys, and has brought the team around, together around the fact that they can win this title. I think he believes that. I think the young guys believe that. And I don't see why they can't match up against the Lakers or the Clippers. So I think, I think that the Clippers are a worse matchup for them than the Lakers. And I don't know who's going to win that series, but I think the issue with the Clippers is just that Miami's really young. And we know Jimmy Butler's not as good as Paul George and Kawhi. But you got Paul George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly. Like, these are guys that are veteran, grown men, established NBA players. And I just think, you know, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, you know, this team's really, really, really good. But without those guys, their offense doesn't really work. And I just think that the Clippers are a better, better position to beat them. Except in years past the case has been that these young guys would come into these final situations and kind of choke under the pressure. But the bubble has given a sense of relief to those guys. They don't have to deal with heckling crowds, extremely loud noises when they're shooting. It's a very calm atmosphere in the bubble. They focus on their game focus on their team, their biggest fans are the bench. And I think these young guys, especially someone like Duncan Robinson, who played D3 and didn't start a lot for D1 or at Michigan, he's going to, he can shoot the lights out in the rec. And the bubble is rec the rec. All-star. The, rec the bubble all-star. is the rec. Like what, what's the difference? You got your family there. Yeah. So, all right. We got two minutes. Last one. Who is in the worst situation? 
Philadelphia or Portland? I think you got two teams with some really talented rosters, but just can't quite get over the hump in their conferences for whatever reason. Both teams' cap situation isn't ideal, to say the least, with the Sixers. Who's in the worst situation? So I was looking into it a little. Um, they've got – the Blazers have Hassan Whiteside right now on a one-year deal. I think they dump him with the emergence of Nurkic, who they have on a uh, three, or three-year deal, only guaranteed 12 a year, which I think is gr- a great deal for someone who has emerged to be such a player uh, as he's been in these playoffs and late in the season. Um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are, are there for the future, but they don't have a lot of assets. They've, they've got two picks this year. They've got a lot of young guys. You got a lot of, there's a lot of talk around Anthony Simons, but they don't really need more guards. They need that one playmaking wing. I agree. Which I guess was mellow this year, but it's also mellow. He's 36. Like how much can you do? But with the Sixers who are in a perpetuating cycle of poor, poor contracts and bad upper management, I think Ellen Branch needs to be gone along with Brett Brown. They have five draft picks this year. What they choose to do with those will make or break the next three years for them. I think this year, a lot of people are saying that it's a very mediocre draft class. But I guarantee you there's going to be two or three guys, two or three mid-first-round guys, like Aaron Neesmith, who come out of this draft as stars, if not very solid role guys that you can keep on your team and make a serious playoff push with. Yeah. I think Portland's in the worst situation. I think Philadelphia's in the worst salary cap situation. Yeah. But I think they have Damian Lillard and TJ McCollum is great, but I think we can agree that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are on a different level than CJ McCollum. I also think think, I also think that the Sixers defensively are at such a different level than the Portland Trail Blazers. And I'm not ready to give up on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think there's certainly some issues that need to be figured out. But when it comes to future situation, I think the Trailblazers have kind of hit their ceiling at this point, and I don't think the Sixers have. So to me, no, it's just that the simple. Sixers definitely have not. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we agreed on that one. All right. Not a lot of time to talk about NBA today. Towards the finals, we'll do it a little bit more. Again. Thank you for listening in. This is the Goldman, Goldman Hour on Vandy Radio. Catch us at Vandy Radio on Instagram or Twitter or VandyRadio.com where you can listen to all shows live. If the other half of this podcast didn't come through, we will figure it out. But if not, thank you, Jake Schwartz. Thank you, Bryce Smith. We'll be back next week after what we hope is a great week one of the NFL season. Everybody, hope you have a great Thursday night football game. I'm excited. Football's back. Basketball's wrapping up. Great time to be a sports fan. We got hockey, football, baseball, NFL, WNBA, all going at once. Yeah, that's about it. Any final words, Jake? Nope. Thank you for having me on. This is the Goldman Hour.
We'll figure out the music. We'll figure out getting these guys going. Thank you. See you next week.